Dan. Hey. Zach and Zed's here. Hello. Come on. Hey, if you're going to be in my studio, you're going to clap. Hello. Skinny. Clap, yeah. bro. I'm going to clap myself because this is a great environment. Zed's, oh. Zed's a hugger. Yeah, he oh, came yeah, in hugging hugger. everybody. Yeah. It was awesome. I really decided, I've always been a hugger, but I decided that I will stay a hugger forever after I did a Europe promo run. And then, you know, you drive like an hour and you're in a different country. Yeah. And things are very different. And then you go to Germany, people are like, somewhat coldish and we'll yeah. give you like a hand and look away <laughs> and then you go to Italy and people are like oh oh mwah, 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 mwah. And then they start left right you. left right left and then you go to Paris and they're like right left right left um. and you're like whoa tongue, no tongue what's happening so what you just universally hug everybody because yeah. it, it's accepted by all I like it too it's just a little more personal it b- breaks the barrier yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I, I, I like hugs how are we feeling about life right now <laughs> I feel really good right now I mean, being on this couch, is it's rare you get to sit on a couch and talk. It's really nice. Yeah, you guys did a really great job here. Yeah, thank you. I, I did it all myself. All Heather. She built did everything. You really? No. Of none course of, you actually, none of it. That was just a joke. I knew that. Stay in Alessia Cara. I mean, dude, you, you feeling good about the song? It's- I feel amazing. I've been really waiting to put it out. Um, we've been working on it for a little bit, and... Um, I've pretty much been on tour and making music for myself and other people for like five years without a break. And then um, at like middle of last year is when I figured I need kind of a little bit of a break. Yeah, I had friends from Germany come over, stayed with me for like a month. I had my studio under construction and I don't think I did anything in the studio for a good month um, and just did fun stuff, regular things. And nice. then I was really refreshed and I think today was the first song I made after... I was back refreshed. What are the warning signs that you need a break? Are you like creatively tapped out? Are you just tired? What is it? I think that happens to everybody. Sometimes you just have a week, two, three, four, or a month or two where you just aren't super creative. Yeah. And it's hard to force that. Um, I think the real signs are when you, at least for me, and I get these here and there, is when you are stressed out about very small things. Mm. Like it could be as, I mean, it could be like an interview, which is really easy. But then in your mind, your entire day is gone yeah. because you have a 10-minute interview. So when you start feeling like things take a bigger burden on you than they actually then they really rationally should. are, yeah. that's like a first sign that's something that you're not refreshed. Maybe take a day off or two. I remember um, I one day made the decision to buy a house or at least look for a house. And I took like three days off and I came back and did in one day what I was trying to do in two weeks. So I really think that taking breaks on paper feels weird because you lose 24 hours, 48 hours, but really gains you a big advantage in the long run. Rejuvenated after all of it. And it just, I mean, it depends on what kind of work you do as well. But if if you do anything creative, you're going to benefit from making sure your body and mind is rested. And what is it? What inspires you? Like when you feel yourself creatively out of it or deprived mm-hmm. is living a normal life with your friends doing normal people thing does that inspire you is That's it travel the single most Im- inspiring thing i think uh. um just doing regular things i mean the things that miss doing the most are doing nothing because <laughs> you don't really have time to do nothing ever mm-hmm. so just having a day where you i don't know i love currently i'm obsessed with playing this video game called overwatch Okay, so I've heard of it. Uh, I just sit on the couch and play it all day, and I go to bed, <laughs> and I'm happy. <laughs> I'm really happy. Sounds like a splendid day. It's a great day, and then you wake up 
happy and then you start your day. When you're like alone with yourself, you're doing exactly what you want to do. Nobody's mm-hmm. telling you what to do. Yeah, I think that's what it's about, right? Yeah. It's not really about what you do. It's about that you can do whatever you want. You can go and... You can play Overwatch a, for 10 hours you if you want. I got a frozen yogurt last night at like 1 a.m. and that made me insanely happy. Oh, <laughs> that moment great. that frozen yogurt arrived, I was really, really happy. Freedom, dude. But <laughs> it's the freedom. Barn, aren't you also happy performing in front of like a million people a night? No, that is that is one of the best feelings in the world. And the feeling of seeing people sing along to your song and you look through the crowd and you see every single person know the lyrics, there's really no feeling that can compare to that. But could you really do one without the other? Because if, like, doing nothing is what creatively inspires you, and, like, mm-hmm. being around normal people for some time, mm-hmm. that's what inspires you, that's what fuels the music. The music gets you in front of the millions. Yeah. You can't have one without is, the other. It is all like a circle. You need everything. People ask me, do I like to, or do I prefer to be in the studio, or do I prefer to be on tour? Uh-huh. And two months after being on tour and having no days off, all I want to do is be in the studio but when I'm in the studio and made five songs, all I want to do is play them out and see mm-hmm. people sing along to them. So it really is all connected. And when you do both of them for too long, you need the days with frozen yogurt at 1 a.m. and play Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's all, you just have to, it's life is about balance. Um, same with music. Like you can't add much more bass because that just means that you will have less highs. Everything in life is a balance. And as long as you do good and bad things in relation yeah. and in balance, that's, I think, what the key is. How did you realize that? Did somebody teach that to you? Did you experience something that made it all click? I mean, it's in music, I experienced that. All and just time. like, you know, it's kind of rational. But in life, I think you just have to learn from mistakes. That's what teaches me the most. When people tell me, don't do this, I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but try it out. Then Let's you can learn it for out, yourself. But then you see, okay, you're right. And then you feel the, the um, consequences of something. And then you really know. I should or should not be doing this. Um, but specifically little moments like when I'm really stressed out. And for example, when I played my staple show, I was really stressed out. And um, we had so many people on the guest list that didn't get in because somebody messed something up. Uh. And then everybody texts me and I'm about to get ready to the show, but also want to make sure everybody gets in. And then they're like, hey, I got in, but I got the wrong ticket. You can't deal with that. And then yeah. somebody's like, hey, go in this room. And like super stressed walk through this room. There's just like a massage therapist and like just get rid of your phone for 20 minutes just you you gotta get a massage right now and that was those 20 minutes were really great (laughs) and i kind of heard my phone vibrate you know this of course of course of course like one of the biggest nightmares yeah Yeah. dude i have phantom vibration (laughs) in my head yeah i think i hear my phone vibrating i look at it and there's nothing (laughs) it's sick and then you're just getting a massage like you know what I'm sure that person is going to be totally fine. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And you should also have somebody there helping figure these things out. Oh, yeah, I do. I have like a a million people trying to figure (laughs) it out. That was just specifically stressful for everybody. Yeah, I get it. But those 20 minutes just helped me get ready for the entire night. And it changes everything. It does. So do things in balance. Take time off. Rest. Don't overwork. Um Life lessons, man. Yeah, I don't know why good. I'm sitting here giving. No, I like I it. It's it a couch. To do with this couch. I think it's the best part. <laughs> Does all the stress go away though once you finally hit the stage and it's like you see all the people, or when oh. the person's rubbing his back? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, that and too. I, breathing I an aroma. Say, I would say that it takes me about one minute on stage or thirty seconds, probably, when everything is gone. I'm not nervous anymore. I still get always, always nervous. You should, me. right? I mean, I think it probably depends on the artist. I think there's a healthy amount of nervous you should be getting to yeah. still be excited about things well you don't want to be too comfortable because if you're too comfortable then like why gonna are you going to give up. it your, yeah why are you going to give it your all 
if you just go you into probably, autopilot. Probably won't. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really comfortable on stage, and sometimes when I'm sick, and you're on stage and you have adrenaline, that really heals more than anything you could take. Like your body mm-hmm. is pretty powerful when it comes to those things. So for me, being on stage, I forget about being sick. There's been probably like two or three shows I was so sick that the adrenaline didn't help. But anything else, you're not feeling well, you forget about everything. You're happy and you're just kind of in a zone. What came first, Alessia Cara or Stay? Um, Stay came first, but not in the way it is now with Alessia Cara. Okay. Um, I would say that's, at least for me, typically a way I make music. I will have sort of a demo of a song um, with a demo vocal. Got it. And I try to find the right vocalist and then... We switched lyrics because every singer wants to say something different. And Alessia is a writer. She is. I mean, I don't know if she's ever really had a song where somebody else had that much influence. Yeah. Um, and um, then she changed the lyrics to the way, to the things she would say and would want to say. And then I kept texting her 25 or 30 versions of the song as I went along to make sure she's cool with everything. And then one day, V28 or whatever that will be, uh, <laughs> was the last version. And then that was it. Version 28. There's a lot of versions. Well, when I say 28, like the first one will have 30 seconds. Then I'll add like a drum fill and be like, hey, what do you think about this drum fill? And then keep going and going. On. Where did it start? Did it start with production or did Stay start with lyrics? Uh, it started with the melody. It started with lyrics and melody. Straight and from then, your head? Um, well, I worked on the song with a few people okay. um, who are all incredibly talented. And then we kind of took it step by step because imagine Alessia wasn't interested in doing the song. Somebody else might have wanted to take it in a completely different direction. The worst thing that can happen is you produce a song, spend a month on it, and then somebody doesn't like the production, and then you have to redo everything. Got it. I don't know what a no, good comparison that's... is, but I don't think I could do that. No, you're... I would probably just drop the song and, and start another one. You're redoing art at that point. Like You have yeah, a beautiful painting already art. done, and they're making you change the background color. Yeah, that's a great example. You know? Painting, because you can't really erase it or yeah. undo, so then you have to cover it up. It's just not the same. So, so I'm, I'm really careful with putting my real final production got it. into a song because I want that to be... When I have the final vocal is when I start doing final decisions in the song. Makes it, So you get the song to a certain point to sell it to somebody or to get exactly. somebody on board. I, I'm always trying to get it. I, I call it a demo, but good enough for everybody to sign off on it. And then I, I do my magic. Then I just lock my door and do my thing. But if everybody's cool with it, then I can do it. But if I do it, like you said, and then you have to cover it up, uh. going backwards with my process of producing music is really difficult and just it it's never going to sound that great no, and, and the intention of the art might not even be the same right it the integrity is a little lost yeah it's yeah i'm not going to be happy and if i'm not happy i can't promote a song that i'm not stoked on and i think yeah. people ultimately feel when something's not genuine and if you kind of force it do you ever get into the studio alone or are you always with people at this point um, Are you well, a solo guy? Skinny? Skinny, my engineer, is is pretty much always there unless he's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I try to record vocalists um, myself if I can. Okay. But that's unfortunately not always the case. Are you giving notes to the vocalists? Yes. Yeah, I will definitely be very specific about what I need and how many takes of each because for people who are interested and don't know how that works, it's not like a singer goes to a microphone, sings, and then that's your vocal. There's two million steps in between. <laughs> Probably the hardest steps of creating a song is right in between singing and the final song. But it is more like you sing the song 20 times, uh, and then you sing it certain parts an octave higher. Then you double certain parts. Sometimes you're two voices at the same time. They're incredibly similar. That sounds like one thing, but it makes it thicker. 
Wow. So then you have to have the singer sing the exact same way with the vibrato, the same way with the scoops, and everything has to be the same. And then you do a lower octave, and then you do a harmony, and then you do ooze, and all these things. So it requires a lot of work. But that's like not every vocalist can tackle that task. Not every vocalist does it either. Like okay. Some people just sing a song. It depends on the music, I guess. There's, uh-huh. there's certain mu- types of music where you just kind of freestyle and do your thing, and you're good. But I would say the way I like to make my vocals, or like Max Martin, who is, is a hero of mine who I've watched do this when we did Break Free... He does it the same way. It's a lot of work, and then this, it's and then surgery happens. <laughs> then you you dissect, and all then of you it. literally take the best bits, breaths, and and endings of each word, and and surgically make them amazing. One Was Alessia the first choice for stay, or did you have other people? Was, in mind? I haven't had anyone else on it. Really? Like on Clarity, I've had like six or seven singers. I've many songs have many singers, and I always say I'm gonna see what fits best, and when I know it's right, I know it's right. Nobody else has been on stay than Alessia. She was my first choice, and luckily it happened really quickly um, from meeting her for the very first time to recording it the next week. Do you ever feel bad having to kick an artist off? Like if they come in, record a demo for you, and you're like, sorry, this it's is not what I'm looking for. I mean, it's the worst. There's, I hate that feeling, and I'm trying to be really transparent about it when I record a song, and I say, I don't know if that's going to work, and sometimes my managers have an idea for a vocalist who I really want to try out, but I feel scared because i know that it's not in their vocal range but you never know maybe yeah. they hide it um i i hate that feeling of disappointing people that's definitely the worst i've once worked with a singer who came in literally said hello when i heard an accent huh. and in oh. my mind i was like i i can't have this accent on my side <laughs> it's just not gonna work and then you have like these six awkward hours of trying to like not say can you say that without like with no accent like maybe <laughs> Maybe stretch that A a little bit longer or do like this. It's just so awkward. Do you think you need to have a superstar to make a hit song? No, I think it doesn't matter. I think if you want to work with a superstar because you're a fan, uh, that's awesome. And it definitely gives you some insurance in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think a great song is a great song. And when I did Clarity with Foxes, I don't think people knew who Zed was or Foxes was. Um, And it didn't matter. And it was one of my biggest songs. Um, would you say that was one of your most life-changing records? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, aside from winning a Grammy, which is something I didn't think I would ever be able to do. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, just going to any country in the world for the first time, which is what happened around that period of time. Like, I'm going to India for the first time, and then you've never seen the country, and you play a show, and everybody knows the song. It's just kind of, it shows you how music can really pass barriers and, and you know, languages and I was on tour with Skrillex and we played in in a city in Mexico where really people didn't speak English, yet they knew every song and they knew the lyrics. They didn't know what it meant, but they still <laughs> sang along, which is really kind of incredible. It's amazing. It's it's music is is really powerful. It links everybody together no matter what. It does. And it yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter where you are or who you are or what you like. There's just a certain connection with music that you can't achieve with many things. A com- it's a common language, a language everybody understands. That's true. When you think about Skrillex, he's mm-hmm. kind of an instrumental in your life, right? Like you remixed one of his songs back in the day. Yeah. Was that out of all the remixes you made between like like between you being in the death metal band, <laughs> right, and coming out as Zed and releasing first anthem, right? You did a ton of remixes in there. Yeah. Which remix was a game changer for you? The remix um, of a song called the. This time okay, was the most important remix I've ever done. 
because A, the first time organically, it had 10 or 20 times more plays than any other song, and that gave me the message, okay, if you make something great, you don't have to post it on every Facebook page and say, please check out my YouTube profile. <laughs> People will find People it. People will want to share something great. Yeah. Like, imagine you find a really cool video. You will want to show your friends. Dude. You won't want to be like, I don't want anyone to see this. Besides me, you will want to share it with your friends and enjoy that moment of sharing it. Yeah. Um, so that gave me that message. And then that is the song that got to Skrillex, <clears throat> which he was like, you have to send me the full song. I want to play it tonight. And that got wow. me to make remixes for him. So although the other remixes, of course, were like bigger yeah. and sold more and whatever, um, this is the one that really was my breakthrough. Changed your life. Changed my life. Yeah, that's the best way to how do you approach a remix like how many times do you listen to an original before you do it do you listen to an original like explain oh, yeah. to me your process um it's really simple for me i listen to a song and if i have a vision immediately i know it's right and if i don't i know it's wrong uh, there's been remixes i've done like for magic for example uh -huh. that wasn't commissioned so they didn't ask me to do it i just asked them if i could have the vocal because i want to make my own version of it and that's out of pure inspiration that just because I love the song and I had a show that I really wanted to make my own version for and surprise my fans. Cool. So that was all. And then they loved the remix and decided to put it out, but that wasn't the... Art first, business exactly. second. Exactly. Art first, business second. Um, and then everybody loved it. So then, of course, you might as well put it out. Yeah. Um, there's been remixes that I've made that I wasn't allowed to put out. Like I've done a remix for, not for, because they didn't ask me to do it, but <laughs> of One More Time by Daft Punk. Really? Same reason. Well, did, did they a, not want you to put it out? We've asked a few times and they never gave us permission to do it. Now, they probably have never heard it themselves. Yeah. It probably just got stuck somewhere between label management. Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, I don't know. Sound similarity? Competitive? I mean, I'll give you another example. You know, I'm doing this ACLU show at the Staples Center and we, out of those 13 artists, I believe it's 13 that are performing, we had like 11 no's. Oh, wow. From management and label until... I texted the artist. They were like, oh, yeah, of course we're going to do it. Like, wow. We're going to fly in. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Isn't just, that a problem in our industry, though? For sure is, but it's also really difficult to fix because, since, for example, to take myself into this whole circle, go. I ask my managers to filter everything as well as they can because if I try to answer everything, I'm literally never going to make music again because I'm going to sit on my computer all day. But so they, to the best of their abilities, are trying to filter all these requests to how you know as good as they can. But what and, is the filter that's being used? Because if the filter, like in this case for the charity show, is being money, you know, one hundred percent of your profits are going right to the ACLU, which right. I commend you for. Amazing! What you're doing is seriously. We'll, we'll get into welcome in a second. Mm -hmm. If they're leading with money first, which a lot of people need to do because everybody needs to eat and stuff, right? That that can come in the way of like some really great opportunities. That, that is a great example. I think money's always like a matter, I mean, if you play a show, right? You get yeah. 366 requests <laughs> and you only have 365 days. So then you will look at who has the better offer. I mean, that's yeah. really logical. Time is money. About it. Um, sometimes these requests don't work out right. For example, remix requests come in 
pretty much on a daily basis. And at this point, I will only do remix of a song that I really love. And most of the times, I'm going to just ask myself if I can remix it because if I hear a song and I really want to do it, like I heard this um, Alive by Empire of the Sun before it came out. I had like a minute and a half snippet. I was in my bed. I remember it. Listened to it once and immediately like my brain started making the song. Really? And I was like, okay, perfect. I have the vision. I just have to sit down and waste three months of my life because <laughs> it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> but it ended up great. Do, do you have that experience when you listen to a lot of music? Like when, when you hear something, do you tear it apart? Do you dissect I do. it? I wish I didn't, to be honest with you. Um, I used to, or I, mean, I still love the band Feeder. It's a British rock band. Okay. And I discovered them through a video game that I was playing as a kid and I enjoyed it. And it was fun to play it. And the music was in the background. And I really loved it. And then years later, I heard that same song randomly, and my mind was like, oh, no, that snare is too late. Like, the mix is thin. <laughs> Ruined and I couldn't, it. like, I didn't even focus on what's, what it's about, the music. Yeah. Um, That's... So that kind of sucks for myself. But <laughs> I get that. <laughs> for Stay, like, my main focus was to make it a song that people don't tear apart. A song where the lyrics and the melody and the structure and everything is equally as important. The verse is just as catchy as the chorus, and... Everything was supposed to be really important, and I went kind of backwards in a sense where I tried at the end to take every element out that didn't give me any information for the music. Anything that I thought wasn't really necessary to be there, I would mute or filter out or just clean up to the point where people can be, this is annoying, like, I don't like it, why did you do this? I just wanted to be a song, just like music used to be. At least for me, before yeah. I started hearing it yeah. apart. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. So you didn't rely on the production, like in tip, like you know, there wasn't a huge drop. There, I, I, I get that. It was more the lyrics shine through. The lyrics are on top. And you know, there is a lot of songs where you just wait for the drop. Yeah. And I love a lot of them. I just didn't want this to be one of them. I wanted it to have a drop that is exciting and you kind of lifts you up when it happens. And it does. But it shouldn't be the thing you wait for the entire time. You should be really stoked on like the groovy rhythm of the vocal in the in the pre-chorus or in the. And the verse. And, and the story. And the story. And I, Alessia's voice by itself is already kind of a story. Yeah. Wow. How far along are you on this next album? Because I saw you teasing people on Twitter about who's going to be on it. You said like Jared Leto, Liam Payne, Ariana. Like you were teasing I some. Said that? You didn't say that. People <laughs> I was were drunk. People were, people were saying them to you and you were kind of like teasing them. So who, like, right. who is going to be on it? I don't know. I'm. It's not like I, I only started talking about it because my fans are like, where's Z3? Yeah. My first thought was. What is the A? What's Z three? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, okay. Um, so in the past, I've been taking like two or three years to create an album. I put the album out, and then I had two singles usually out of that were three out of that album. Um, I'm not going to do it this way this time. I'm going to keep releasing music. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been out. I would have mm-hmm. waited for two years to finish an album. So I'm, as I finish songs, I'm most likely going to release some of them. Uh, and in the background, I'm going to be making more um, weirder songs. <laughs> there's some, um, there's just, I wrote this song that is just an insanely long chord progression. It's just piano and doesn't have any vocals or lyrics. And it's really cinematic and I have no clue how to even remotely put this in the world of our electronic music. So I might yeah. just make a classical song out of that or something. Uh, um, so, okay. So you yeah. like the way I'm dissecting what you just said was on one half you have your mainstream music and this mm-hmm. is going to go out and then the other half almost like a passion project like you, you know what you're feeling and you're yeah. not real not real art but different <laughs> art for you. Um, I don't know if I could separate them that far because I love doing both. Uh-huh. It's a little bit like touring and and being in the studio for me 
if you zoom in a little bit into the studio part, there's songs I love that are like catchy and that that have structure. And then when I make one of those, all I want to do is go and do something really weird and something that people wouldn't expect me to do. Uh-huh. Um, and typically, that's how I make my albums. Okay, I would try to have like half songs that are like your main pillars. What you would and expect, then little things in between connecting them. Cool. I like to do that, and I'd like to have 10 songs and go back and forth like this. Um, so I will probably end up having about five or six singles, in a sense, like vocal tracks, and then things, maybe instrumental songs in between connecting those. And that will probably become an album, but I'm I'm not going to wait two years to release music because I think in 2017, people are really impatient. Dude, they want it now. They just want music, and it, that's okay. And I want it out. It, and you're seeing that all the time, right? People in, like releasing EPs once a quarter, once every two quarters, like just to keep people hungry. Yeah. Does it disappoint you that the shelf life of music isn't what it used to be? Yes. I mean, I would lie if I said no. Because uh, some of my favorite albums were the ones I didn't enjoy at first. But back then... You had 40 bucks a month and mm-hmm. you spent 15 or whatever on a CD. So you would spend, you know, the majority yeah. of your money. You would be like, okay, well, I like these people in this band. I can't imagine they would do something terrible. So let me listen to it again. You and got again, to know and the music. Like, oh, maybe I just didn't understand it. There's a lot of albums or songs that I didn't love at first, but sometimes you're forced to listen to them again. Now in the, you know, the time we live where you can stream any song you want, you give it like 10 seconds. And that's and you're it. like, I didn't hear the hook yet? I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it devalues art. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. To, I mean, I see all these statistics about how people skip music and why they skip music and when they skip music. And that is so limiting. And sometimes you're like, how am I supposed to tell you a story if I only have 15 seconds? You can't. You can't. And that's like, I miss that for sure. I miss that people give a song two or three chances because that means that only things that are very accessible at first are immediately successful, which is can be good. I think the hardest things to do as a musician is to do something really simple that's genius. Yeah. Something the Beatles would do, which sounds so easy to do because it's so simple, but it really isn't. <laughs> um, so sometimes when you have a lot to work with, it becomes easier, but then... You fight the 10 seconds of attention people have. But you're not, are you using, are you like when you're in the studio, are those notes coming through? Are those studies reflecting what you put out? It's really more when I'm done and then we talk about strategy and how you, you know, release a song, then these things do matter. And when you preview a song, which 10 or 15 seconds of a song do you preview? And these things matter. Honestly, they matter for radio more than they matter for me because radio does research. Which I honestly, I wish you guys, maybe you guys can help me. I don't understand the part of research. Well, I, it doesn't make any sense because all <laughs> okay, the research is all done for Cocta and it's all bootleg. Whether it's like, you know, tests over the phone or like, you know, basic like, you know, focus groups of people tuning in and tuning out. It, mm-hmm. You know, the only way you can really test art is by giving it to people and letting them decide. Right. That's what I believe, right? Play, playing a song, letting them soak it in, letting them experience it. And from that moment on, you make that decision. Yeah. The other thing I, I believe on the side of radio is like we limit ourselves by keeping the pop format so tight. Mm. Who the hell are we to dictate what is a pop song and what isn't? Right. Pop equals popular. Mm-hmm. That could be rock. That could be rap. That could be dance. That could be folk. That could be anything. Yeah. So th- things can become pop popular when people are more exposed to it, yes. which they won't when... If you don't like, even try it out. Right. If you don't even give them a chance. 
Yeah. We pass on more records than we will ever play, obviously. Of course, yeah. But there's a lot of great records that could make it to air, that should make it to air. Yeah. That maybe would have new life yeah. if you gave it to the people and let them decide. It's really interesting and complicated because you want to be as flexible as you can be. You also want to make sure you, you know, people listen to your station. Yeah. And- you know, they hear what they want and then ultimately kind of almost points back to people want to hear the hits. That, mm-hmm. I mean, as being a part-time DJ, yeah. <laughs> there is like a phenomenon that people really love things they know. It doesn't matter what it is, but your brain shoots out things that yeah. make you feel great when you recognize something you know. Yeah. So there is something about familiarity that people will always like. And I guess the more you hear something, I mean, you probably... You, pro- you hear music all day, right? All There's probably day. so many songs you hate that you hear every day. Uh, you know, I don't hate them. I okay. respect them and understand them for what they are okay. and what they've brought to the audience and to mm-hmm. society. But I also think you're right. People want to hear the hits and they want to hear what they, they, they know and they love and what mm-hmm. they've been attached to. Mm-hmm. But there is a world where the two could be matched together. Totally. You know, where 100%. You, you should be giving more of a shot to songs that— songs that— are very artistic. Yeah. And almost everybody can agree that they're great songs. Yes. And that they do something for everybody. And then I think there's also songs where everybody can agree. They really are not going to bring humanity forward a single bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably further back, if yeah. anything. <laughs> I mean, and, and songs like that exist. And, you know, some of those songs actually make it to our playlists and get spun a ton of freaking times. Right. Like, what do you think of, like, when you hear a song, Little Yachty or Kyle with I Spy or, you know, Broccoli or Panda? <laughs> You're like, naming so many, like... Panda Express items, right? <laughs> you love Panda Express. I love, you know that. I, I love Panda Express. Have you, He goes to the Panda Express test kitchen. Have you ever tried that Wait, one? It's that? in Pasadena. They make like burritos. It's delicious. They try all of the new Panda Express food out there. Is that accessible to anyone? Yeah, we can go one day together. I mean, if Dan can get there, incredible. I'm sure you can. <laughs> Not really, orange chicken, I mean, come on. Oh, it's the best. It's incredible. It's my favorite. I, I, I had the shrimp over the weekend, and okay. it's really good. The peanut shrimp or the w- w- something, the cashew See, maybe shrimp. Maybe I should try more things out, because I'm always going for orange chicken, and I really got into eggplant, spicy eggplant tofu. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's I've actually had that pretty before. good. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I stick with, um, broccoli, beef broccoli. Is usually pretty good. I do the same thing every time I go. I get literally yeah. the same meal. It's safe. Yeah. It's just like like an airbag in a car. You just, <laughs> right? you just know what you got. Exactly. You know, so you, wait, you have this big show coming up, and I and Skrillex is going to be there. Mm-hmm. If Skrillex wanted to do some Jack U stuff and bring out Diplo, what would you say to him? Um, we're running out of time, Sonny. We should, we should make sure we focus on you, my friend. <laughs> There's like beef That's between funny. the two of you. I'm I'm completely honest. Go. I think I'm probably the person that has the least beef with anyone in the world outside of Panda Express when I get beef broken. <laughs> Other than that, I'm, I'm having a hard time beefing with people because I just like to get away from friction. I get it. It's just, it doesn't help you. Like, yeah, you might try to hurt somebody verbally, but does that really make you feel good? Like, you're going to go back and you're like, well, great, now I hurt somebody. That doesn't really help me. So, so- I'm trying to get away from friction and rather ignore and... You know, positive vibes, po- dude. Yeah, focus on what's really great, and there's so much of that. Than being the one to poke people and you know make fun of the way they look, and <laughs> he, he, it's just not my style. Yeah, ACLU is happening on Monday. It's called the Welcome Concert, and there is an, a, a crazy lineup: mm-hmm. BB Rexa, Macklemore, Camila Cabello, Imagine Dragons. I mean, the list goes on. Halsey, Dea. 
a ton. This is all to say, welcome, refugees. You guys are saying welcome. But the White House on the East Coast is literally saying the exact opposite. Yeah. Right? That is why we started this thing. Why we felt like um, doing something, at least spreading a message, is the least we can do. And I think a lot of people agree with us. A lot of people disagree, and that's okay, and everybody should have their own opinion. But if this show... If the least we can do is to start a conversation and at least try to discuss it and view it from every point of view, that's already a big win, in my opinion. You're 100% right. You're creating a conversation that needs to happen. And that's really all I ask for. Like, of course, the tickets are really expensive. And just so people understand, this is essentially just a donation. Yeah. Um, they're not much more expensive than the average donation the ACLU gets. So uh-huh. I think it's really reasonable that you actually get 13 hours to fly in for you. And, you know, create a show for you. It's a pretty big deal. Um, it is. It's not bad. Uh, and I encourage everybody to see this really as a donation uh, and, you know, donate tickets to their friends and anything they can do. And in a perfect world, when people go home, maybe they were going to talk to somebody who disagrees with them uh, and find out what they can agree on, what they can't agree on. And maybe there's like a middle ground that everybody can be happy with. What's your message to Donald Trump? Man, I have a lot of them. It's a lot. I mean, there's <laughs> I a lot going on. so many messages. Uh, Maybe a, a good start would be to include science a little bit more than right? he wants to. <laughs> yeah. Because science. I think, I think it's really good to start at the very bottom by agreeing, you know, on simple things that everybody can agree on. Mm-hmm. That I'm sitting on a couch, for example. We can't agree. Let's move on to the next one. Science is real. We science to- is real and limiting science is an absolutely terrible decision that I would not suggest. And I think just having, for example, I've seen people be unhappy about the fact that Elon Musk was a part of the of his... Um, when he brought people in to discuss like the future of right. the, the environment and technology, and yeah. Of I, course I you could argue he's trying to do this for his own benefit, but then at the same time you have to look at all the things he's doing that aren't there for his immediate own benefit. Yeah, I think just having somebody there that, in my opinion, is one of the smartest human beings currently alive, is a great benefit. Of course. And, and by the way, everything that Elon Musk eventually wants to do, he needs the government's help in doing that, whether yeah. it's changing the electrical grid or putting self-driving cars on the road. Exactly. It's politics. I mean, I'm all for it. I think a lot of people are really conservative and a little bit scared of self-driving cars. And sometimes you have to be, um, I forgot who said that, but basically um, uh, somebody said that you have to, if you want to invent something, futuristic you have to invent it with a technology that doesn't exist yet but it will by the time it's possible and self-driving cars i can tell from my own experience uh i once went to disneyland and i have a tesla which partially drives itself uh and on the way back everybody fell asleep including me and the car when you don't touch the steering wheel for like i don't know what the time is a few minutes Uh i guess it turns off the music and starts beeping and i remember i woke up from that so I must have been asleep for a little bit because you just lock it in and it just follows the car and drives by itself. But in my mind was like, if I didn't have that, I would probably not be sitting on this beautiful couch right no, now. No, you'd be and dead. And just the thought that every car would be self-driving to me is much safer. And I'm, yeah. I'm 100% convinced, even though people are like, well, but what if somebody jumps in front of it? Let's just say that the total amount of deaths caused by driving, I'm sure would be significantly less. Oh, yeah. Then people behind the wheel? Of course. Yeah. So yeah. I think for the government, dear Trump, 
uh, it would be really nice to keep an open mind to all these things that might sound scary, but be really beneficial for humanity. In the first place, science. That's a great place to start. It starts everything. Science is the foundation of pretty much literally every decision that should I, be made. I agree. But were, you, were you in traffic when this happened? Was this on a highway? It was like traffic going back from, um, from Disneyland. It was like basically stop and go-ish. It wasn't stop and go because we were driving. And in stop and go, I don't think it actually warns you. It just like moves slowly. Um, but it was just like falling a long road on the highway. Um, and that kind of really showed me that we are way worse drivers. We don't pay enough attention. I mean, when you drive in LA, just look left and right. How many people have are on their phones? Phone. Yeah. It's everyone doing their makeup, clipping their toenails. That is see crazy. it every day. I mean, even I mean, I'm guilty of that. Like, I just ate on the way here in my car. <laughs> even that is really dangerous. Yeah. Having a self-driving car, you can have your snack while it's driving. The future is now. The future is now, as long as you don't forget that science is real. I'm getting wrapped up, but one more question before you go. Oh, yeah, I got one more quick one, too. All right. Does timeless music still exist? I think so. I think it's rare, and I think that people's capacity to take in music that is, in a way, genius and requires a few more listens is probably not the same it used to be, but I definitely think timeless music exists, and honestly, there's a lot of really great music out there, and a lot of artists who are waiting to be heard. Will any of your songs last forever? I hope so. Which one? I or think, which ones? I think Clarity was a song that had a change in culture mm -hmm. uh, because it connected the huge EDM world with thousands of people at every show, with the pop world, the radio, TV. Um, I think it wasn't quite as connected before. It shaped a whole time of music. It and really it, did. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, that that would be the nicest thing to look back to in 10 years and see, wow, this actually did inspire an era of electronic music because after that, every pop song happened to sound like an EDM song. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> no joke. <laughs> if, uh, if Lord Zed is in the second Power Rangers movie, do you think you'd be a good fit for that role? <laughs> I think I'm an absolutely terrible actor, okay. but I just shot the music video for Stay. And I saw the first cut yesterday, and I think I don't suck as much anymore. That's good. So let me shoot, like, two more things, and I'm ready. Why, why, why do you say you suck? Are you judging yourself? Is it yeah. other people around no, you? You know what? Other people say I'm great, but I don't believe them. Uh, I feel like I they're saying that. that to make me feel nice. I just, I can't, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I can't look at myself, whether video or photo. I'm always uncomfortable, mm. but everybody else like, I'm not understanding why. And then I know many people feel like me. And I look at their stuff and I'm like, you look great. I don't know why you're insecure about it. Isn't that humanity? That's humanity. It's we really doubt nice. ourselves. We help each other. Well, we help each other mainly because we doubt ourselves. Or a majority of us doubt ourselves. That's true. Zed? Wow. This was a really deep talk. I love it. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed talking to you, man. A lot of love for you. Thank Zed, you everybody. So Thanks Thank for you. hanging out. Yeah. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Hot Podcast.